Hey, Real Split Nation, Mary here. We have a really great and interesting episode for you this week, but there's something a little different. This week, we recorded with Ben, who is a Civil War reenactor, but he is a dad too, and life happens. So you'll hear his two boys in this episode, Chase and Colin, in the background. The content, though, is so interesting, and Ben is so knowledgeable. He's passionate. And if any of you are thinking of getting into reenacting, he's definitely the right person to talk to. We learned so much from him in this episode, and it definitely sparked my interest in reenacting more. So, without further ado, here is episode 115 of the Rail Splitter podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. This week on the Rail Splitter podcast, we are talking Civil War reenactments with a special guest. Frontier of hope and possibility. Being excellent to each other and party on, dudes! Welcome to the Rail Splitter Podcast, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. I am your co host, Mary, and tonight I am joined by Rail Splitter Jeremy. Hey, everyone. And Rail Splitter Nick. What's up, Rail Split Nash? All of you who are prepping for the big uh, Groundhog Day holiday coming up. So, uh, I do live close to Woodstock where the great Groundhog Day was filmed with the legendary Bill Murray. So hopefully we'll see you out there. I'm not really going, but if you do, enjoy yourself. And that is Nick with uh, his always funny introductions. And tonight we have a special guest. Um, I would like to welcome Ben Frail, um, who is joining us tonight to talk about Civil War reenacting. So welcome, Ben. Thank you for joining us. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, so we've never uh, had a Civil War reenactor or Lincoln reenactor. Oh, wait, I guess we have had one Lincoln reenactor on the show once, right, guys? Yeah, we had yes. one Lincoln presenter on the show twice. That's right. Right. Yes. Did we know? Once. We talked to him once and he was on the show once. Yeah. Once. Yeah. So, um, it's been a hundred and some odd episodes. I know. We're at a hundred, episode 115 is where we're All at right. tonight. Um, so we've never had a Civil War reenactor before, but we are very pleased to welcome Ben. Um, to I'm excited talk, to be here. To talk to us about Civil War reenacting. So you've been reenacting for quite a while. Um, yes. You told me 17 years, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to be entering my 18th season in 2020. So it's uh, hard to hard to believe. Wow. <laughs> well, that's really awesome. So what sparked your interest in the Civil War? Um, so I didn't have a normal childhood, I would say. Um, my, dad's a, my dad's a United States Marine. So I grew up watching... Um, Gettysburg and MASH and uh, John Wayne, uh, not your, your stereotypical kids movies. So at six years old, I saw the movie Gettysburg um, and I, it was it was hooked. The the what really resonated with me was the story that they tell about, um, you know, John Reynolds, Louis Amistad and Winfield Scott Hancock about three best friends that are now fighting this war against each other. And ever since then, it was, uh, you know, you dig deeper and dig deeper and dig deeper. And it, not only was it best of friends that were fighting each other, but um, brother versus brother, literal brother versus brother, 
uh, and family member versus family member. And um, so, like I said, since six years old, I've been studying the war and I think I've amassed 0.005% of the, uh, the grand knowledge that there is about the American Civil War out there. But that's the great thing about our, uh, our passion is that you're always, you always got more to learn. So, Yeah, that, that's very true. I've been studying it, too, since I was about six. And being Canadian, I had to, like, basically, you're not taught it in the schools. Touch on it very briefly, but it's all self-taught. But um, there's definitely, like... There's so much to learn, and I'm finding that. And I'm sure Nick and Jeremy, the same thing with studying Lincoln, studying the Civil War. Like, there's always, like, the, oh, I didn't know that. And just you dig deeper and deeper and deeper into it, for sure. Oh, well, yeah. I, I really don't study it. I just let you guys say stuff, and I usually say <laughs> stupid stuff in between. Welcome to the Rail Splitter Podcast, Ben. <laughs> this is how we do stuff here. Um, Sound, sounds like normal life for me. <laughs> so I guess, so from your interest in the Civil War, you obviously got involved in reenacting. So how did you make this journey into reenacting? So it's, it, it's a, a very long story. Um, when I first started getting interested in the Civil War, I did start looking into local reenacting groups because I said, hey, you know, that looks cool. Not the whole killing each other part, but the people who are portraying mm-hmm. the, the, you know, not, not Jeff Daniels or Martin Sheen, but the, the people who, you know, obviously had a passion for it. Um, so we, my father and I started researching local units and we found a few, <coughs> excuse me, but none that really resonated to what I, how, what I wanted to do. And then we, uh, uh, we kind of tabled it for a little bit until I was, uh, <coughs> excuse me, until I was 13. And um, I joined an organization called the Sons of Union Veterans of the Civil War. Um, and the, the camp I joined had a handful of Civil War reenactors in it, and they reenacted the second Rhode Island, uh, at the time, Company D. Um, and here you, you have a couple of guys who see this now 14 year old kid joining this, you know, who has an obvious passion for the civil war. And they're like, Hey, would you like to try civil war reenacting? And I'm like, sure. I've always wanted to do it. Why not? And uh, the great part about this group was that they had loaner gear for me. So I could borrow uniform, borrow a rifle, borrow all the accoutrements, go out into the field and experience what it was, you know, a small aspect of what it was like for a union, a union Civil War soldier to uh, fight during the war. Um, fast forward eight, uh, 17 years, going into my 18th season, and now I'm that crazy guy at the meetings where I have a room in my basement filled with u- spare uniforms and leathers and, and gear for for people who, you know, they, they, they're... They want to give it a go, but, you know, they, they don't want to buy all the gear. So we loan out the gear and have people come out and just, you know, <laughs> a, a snowballed from there. So wow. it's, I had no idea, like, you would loan out the gear, but I can see that being, like, like a thing, I guess, to see, make sure. Because you have to obviously put, um, like, approximately, if you don't mind me asking, like, approximately how much does it cost to um, outfit yourself for reenacting. So, so to outfit just myself uh, with the bare necessities, 
I would say probably about two thousand um, <clears> dollars. Half of that alone is the rifle. So about two thousand dollars then to outfit yourself for like the basics. Yeah, for for the basics, and then um, you know, there's little things here and there that you can get to better your impression. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also you can get better quality gear when you're getting those basic kits to to you know those starter kits they're 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 not the most accurate to the day they'll be the, the right color the every, for the most part everything will be in the right part but for instance the thickness of wool that we use today compared to what they used back then our wool is actually a little bit thicker oh wow and it costs more per yard to get the thinner wool because it's not standard it's not the standard thickness. So it's actually more expensive to, to get if you want a, a 100% period accurate uniform to the proper thickness. It's actually more expensive because the material is more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's stuff like um, the great coat. It's a, a winter jacket for the soldier. Um, you know, that's something that that's not you something you really need to reenact because the reenacting season is typically – Oh, at least in New England, is April to early October. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you're very rarely are you in the field where it's you know fifty, sixty degrees out. You might use it at nighttime, but you know sometimes depending on how close you are to home, some people might just go home and sleep at their houses mm-hmm. for the night, or they might bring modern sleeping stuff so that way they can stay warm overnight. Um, it really depends on which unit you're in. Uh, my unit is a group. <clears throat> um, it's called a, a campaign style group, yeah. which focuses more on the historical accuracy of it, where we prefer the, everyone to have the great coat or to have two wool blankets and, and try to make it as accurate to what the guys back then would do as possible. I mean, we understand it's 2020. You're not going to be able to, to, to be 100% accurate, mm-hmm. but the, the little things make the experience all that much more better. Um, uh, you know, whether it's eating the proper food or if you're going for a walk, not pulling out your phone and the light on your phone, actually having a candle and, and a lantern and, and walking by candlelight, things like that really make the, the experience. Or if it's, if it's a full moon, walking by moonlight, wow. um, you know, it really adds to the experience and makes it, you know, you really feel like you've been transported back 155 years. Wow. That's very cool. Like it, and I know, yeah, some I've read some units are really super accurate and others are, you know, I have other friends who reenact and they go home at night to sleep and I'm like, well, aren't you supposed to like, <laughs> shouldn't you be getting the full experience? Um, Cause I yeah. was looking at some of the photos you have, um, on the second Rhode Island's Instagram page. And uh, there's one of somebody like sleeping on the ground. And I'm like, yep. wow, they're really. Yeah. We, we, there's one guy in, in our group. My he's, he's actually been my best friend since the seventh grade. And um, he is known for, he'll bring, you know, we'll, we'll park our cars, throw everything on his back. He'll get to camp, drop it put the ground cloth down and put the shelter. He won't set up a tent. He'll throw the shelter half on top of him. And that's where he sleeps for the night because 
that's what these guys would do if they just marched, you know, 30, 35 miles. Mm-hmm. If you were in AP Hills, like, you know, light brigade and you march 35, 40 miles, you're not going to sit there and set up tent. You're going to be too exhausted to. So you would literally just throw the ground cloth down in the shelter half on top of you and you would fall asleep. Wow. So, um, you know, he's, he, that's something that he, he does all the time. And, um, I mean, it's, it's, it makes for an interesting morning when you have someone who shows up first thing, you know, say they can't make it on Saturday and they show up on Sunday and they, you know, they're, they see all these tents and they're like, Oh wow. And then they trip over Joe. So <laughs> it's, it, it's happened more than once and it's always a colorful exchange of words when it happens. And then you wake up to me laughing hysterically every single time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Nick or Jeremy, do you have any questions for Ben before we move on? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have one question. Um, no, go ahead. Oh, you got to fight to the death now. <laughs> <laughs> Pull out the bayonet, I, throw it in between yeah, your bayonets. legs. Yep. I have the advantage because I think he's on delay. So, <laughs> uh, um, why do you keep coming back? You've been doing it for 17 years. What is it about reenacting that is so addicting um, and, and keeps you going? Uh, the, the, the goofball in me says that I get away from my two kids and my wife. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, it is uh, paying honor, honor to these guys. Um, I have three ancestors that fought in the war, um, but all for the Union. Um, to teach the, the spectators that come um, what it was like for them as much as possible. Um, and also I, uh, I go into local schools and I, I don't go in dressed up except for the younger crowd, but I go into local high schools and I bring my gear in and I dress the students up so they can get an inkling of, uh, uh, appreciation for what these, what these boys went through. And, um, I was, I, w- I was saying to Mary yesterday when we were, when we were talking, doing the sound checks, um, <clears throat> I, we teach sophomores in Rhode Island, that's when they cover the Civil War. And uh, I go back to my, my alma mater, Coventry High School. Um, and uh, to go in, walk around, I go to see my old baseball coach, football coach, old teachers that I had throughout the years. And uh, to have a random student come up to me that's like, you're the Civil War guy. I, I, I remember your presentation two years ago or, or last year or, what, or however long ago it was. And um, hopefully they're not telling me three years ago. Um, it's <laughs> it's um, it's really rewarding, and and that aspect of it is extremely rewarding. It's um, but the 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 as far as going into the field, it's it's being with the guys, and and you do get a small sense of camaraderie um, of. You're you're with you're with your buddies. You're with your guys, and, and it, it's it's definitely something that uh, I look forward to. <laughs> as as horrible as you know, you know, fifteen twenty degree nights can be. If you're if the weekend calls for it, it's it's worth it when you're you know you're you're up at at a fire under the moonlight under the starlights, and you're just sitting there talking with your buddies and talking with your pards for for hours on hours and then it's like okay guys like we've got a full day ahead of us tomorrow let's go to sleep and you, you know you, you look at your watch and you're like oh it is one in the morning and we uh we stayed up too late so <laughs> but that's that's probably the most the biggest thing so 
Oh, that's awesome. Um, I got a real quick question. Um, so uh, how would Nick's beard uh, fare amongst the reenactment crowd? I'm, I'm telling you, I got some serious beard envy right now because I can't grow a beard to save my life. Um, my, my, my buddy Joe, um, if you guys do go on our Facebook page, our Instagram page, um, you will know him right away because he is the tall, skinny one with the glorious beard. And I pray he doesn't listen to this just because I will never hear the end of it for calling his beard glorious. Um, but it, it, he looks straight out of the Civil War. And, and if you can grow good facial hair, it definitely adds to the to your uh, um, it, it, it adds to your representation of a Civil War soldier. So and unfortunately, um, I just can't grow that beard. So as 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 much as I've tried, it's more uh, uh, a laughing stock than it is anything else. So <laughs> I must say, Joe sounds like one handsome son of a bitch. So. <laughs> I cannot confirm nor deny those allegations, my friend. You have to look on. It's on the Instagram page, right? For the yep, yep. Oh yeah, you'll. Uh, You'll definitely be able to find a picture of him on the Instagram page. I feel like uh, every time we did the uh, the one the 150th Antietam, <clears throat> and um, he we sit there we're on a, we're hitting up a, at a gas station on the way back, and we look at a USA Today because it's oh you know Civil War takes over Sharpsburg and sure as heck. You see Union soldiers overtaking a fence, and you see one face looking back, and it is clear as day, Joe. <laughs> on the front page of the USA Today, awesome. this kid has been on the cover of more more newspapers than I care to admit. <laughs> so, and it is. I'm actually looking through the Instagram account right now to get to to see where a good picture of his there here is it is. So. But yeah, it's it's the beard's nice. <laughs> so the the second Rhode Island that you reenact with, do you want to just give us a brief history of of them? I know they're primarily they were all Eastern theater, right? Correct. So they they uh, they answered the call Lincoln's call to uh, uh, of troops in 1861, and he they were uh, they were formed in. Um, they were formed in Rhode Island in May of 61, and then they were officially mustered into service late May, I believe. They were, they were officially mustered into service, um, and <clears throat> they were at the first Battle of Bull Run. Um, they had both their colonel, John, Colonel John Slocum, and uh, made their major... Major Sullivan Ballou, um, killed at the Battle of Bull Run. Um, there is a horrible story that goes along with their deaths at the Battle of Bull Run. Um, governor Sprague, who uh, William Sprague, who was the governor of Rhode Island at the time, he he went back and he was he actually served as uh, um, as Burnside's on Burnside's staff at the battle. Um, and is either one of the only or the only sitting governor in the country. I can't remember which one it is, but he's one of the few, if not the only, sitting governors in the country's history to, to have had um, seen shots in anger. Um, and he, him with 
uh, another uh, a second Rhode Islander who had been paroled, who was was captured and at the hospital that Slocum and Balud both died at. Um, later paroled, they went back down to the Manassas area um, to bring their 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 graves home. When they got to where they believed Balu was was buried, they found um, nothing but ashes and um, his shirt collar. Oh my god! And they found a local slave girl who said um, a Georgian unit um, who was so miffed at the, the, the fight that the first and second Rhode Island put up um, at the Battle of Bull Run that they dug up Baloo's grave thinking it was Slocum's grave and mutilated it and burned it and then reburied it. Um, and there, there, there was a, a, a very spirited rivalry between Rhode Island units and Georgian units throughout the rest of the war. Um, they, they went on excuse me, returned to, to Washington after the battle. They actually switched rifles with the first uh, Rhode Island because the first Rhode Island had rifled muskets, whereas the second Rhode Island at the time had smoothbores. So first Rhode Island was a 30 day, or a 90-day unit. They were leaving, going home. Hey, you've got better rifles. Give us your rifles. <laughs> um, and they served with those rifles for the remainder of the war. And they did serve until 1865 and were actually... Um, mustered out in um in june of 1865 because at the time they were with the sixth corps and the sixth corps was given orders to meet up with sherman's army um down in north carolina um so you have the rest of the army of potomac going home and these boys were hey you're, you're going to fight some more um they they served um on the peninsula campaign saw quite a few action uh in 1862 saw uh, quite a bit of action in the, in the Peninsula campaign, um, were in reserves at Antietam, so didn't see, they, they saw what happened but never actually saw combat, although uh, quite a few other Rhode Island units did, um, including uh, there's a Rhode Island general, Isaac Pierce, uh, Peace Rodman, who was, uh, was killed at Antietam. Um, and then they... Uh, Went into winter encampments. Eight, the, the, the campaign season of 63 occurred where everyone, everyone pays attention to Chancellorsville and everyone forgets about the 6th Corps and remnants of the 1st Corps' faint against Fredericksburg and uh, um, you know, the, their um, diversion, essentially, to try to get Lee to, to, to put troops that way. Um, the first, I mean, sorry, the second Rhode Island was, was heavily engaged at the Battle of Second Fredericksburg. And then they were also heavily engaged at the Battle of Salem's Church, which happened the next day um, when Sedgwick's Sixth, Sixth Corps was trying to link up with uh, the, the rest of Joe Hooker's Army of the Potomac. Um, <clears throat> and unfortunately, they weren't able to uh, link up. And the second Rhode Island paid a, played a pivotal role in the battle because um the union the union the sixth corps flank was about to be get withered away and seeing this um their brigade commander ordered them forward and they had up until that that battle a brand new colonel who had never seen um had never seen combat before and 
he ordered them forward and he actually rallied them multiple times during the battle um, to make sure that the Union's flank was not was not turned. And then the next day, the Sixth Corps was actually was was withdrawn across the Rappahannock. And uh, but unfortunately, um, not all of the Second Rhode Islanders, their their bodies were recovered from Salem's Church. And, and Salem's Church is a little bit of a, a pet peeve of mine because I've I've been down there. I've seen the battlefield and the majority of it is now a strip mall and a parking lot. Um, and it, it actually pains me because I want to uh, I'm going to have a project soon to research um to make sure that there were proper studies done before that those buildings were built and they just didn't pave over what could have been burial sites um because the idea of those boys being left behind in mass burials and and not brought home is uh is a a a very disconcerting and Mm -hmm. and and upsetting thought to me so um uh, they were they were with the Sixth Corps. Move, moving on with their battle history, they were with the Sixth Corps at Gettysburg. Um, arrived, witness pickets charged. They arrived late on the second. Arri- uh, witness pickets charged. <coughs> Excuse me. Saw sporadic artillery fire, and were posted as skirmishers on the fourth. But that was all of what they did for the Battle of Gettysburg. They didn't see any uh, any any other combat for that. Um, and then they they went through the pursuit, um, and then the the um, the, the the tail end of sixty three, mm-hmm. the campaigns that happened at the Army of the Potomac through that, um, and then sixty four occurred comes around, and in May of sixty four, their enlistments come up. They had a three year enlistment, um, and this is this is something to me that was very. Um, very interesting part about the the second Rhode Island. Um, about uh, uh, enough of them reenlisted to field three companies, um, and they had the option at that point those that reenlisted to either form a merge with another regiment. Or become a quote unquote battalion, and the state would vow to fill the ranks mm-hmm. with new recruits. Um, a, a lot of times you see them become, you know, merge with another unit or merge with a new unit with a new identity, and you actually see that happen with the fourth and seventh Rhode Island, where they voted to merge and became, and, and the fourth merged into the seventh Rhode Island. Um, where they served throughout the rest of the war, but the second chose to turn into a battalion and the state refilled their ranks, um, which is one of the reasons why we chose, we chose to reenact company B because the three companies that stayed up that were present throughout the whole war are a B and C the rest of the companies um, from May of 64 until they received replacements were, you know, they have gaps in, in the war. Um, during the Overland grants overland campaign, they, they were there through the, with the six Corps at, at all the stops. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, they, um, went online at Petersburg 
where they get pulled off the line because of Jubal Early's attempt to assault mm-hmm. DC. They get brought in, they get steamed into DC, and they are put into the defenses around Washington, prom, uh, predominantly Fort Stevens, and um, they help repulse Early's advance, and then they are assigned to um, Philip Sheridan's army, and they take part in the 64 Shenandoah Valley mm-hmm. campaign. Um, so they, they, they were at the Third Battle of Winchester, um, which is kind of cool for me because my ancestor was captured at the Second Battle of Winchester when his major decided to surrender his whole wing, and that sent him to Belle Isle for a nice little summer vacation. Um, and then, um, he, my, my ancestor didn't have enough and decided to, once he was paroled, join back and get captured at the wilderness and sent to Andersonville. He just loved those Confederate summer camps. Oh my God. Um, Wow. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Oh, uh, but the second Rhode Island, so that's a a nice little personal tie to me that I, that I, I like, Mm -hmm. and I would love to get down to the Shenandoah Valley for that reason. Um, they were not at the Battle of Cedar Creek. They were actually, um, they were stationed in Winchester and, and holding Winchester as a, a, um, essentially a base of operations for Sheridan um, while Cedar Creek was happening. And then after the Battle of Cedar Creek and, and early is, is repulsed and the Shenandoah is essentially useless to the Confederates at that point, they, re- re- they fell back in at Petersburg <clears throat> excuse me, um, manned the lines at Petersburg mm-hmm. and then took part in the third battle of Petersburg, which was the outbreak of, uh, of Petersburg. Mm-hmm. Um, two second Rhode Islanders uh, received the congressional medal of honor at further actions at, Pe- at Gettysburg. It was uh, Sergeant uh, William Babcock and Corporal Thomas Parker, who were the color bearers and they were the first color bearers to place their, or their citation is that they were the first color bearers to, place their colors within Confederate um, earthworks at the third battle of Petersburg. Um, And then their last major engagement of the war was sailors Creek, which happened just a couple of days afterwards um, where again, they were actually repulsed a handful of times, Mm -hmm. temporarily lost their colors and then recaptured their colors. Um, And then, um, Okay, they were present at Lee's surrender at Appomattox. And like I said earlier, they received orders to link up with Sherman in North Carolina. Um, if I remember their their route, they made it just to the North Carolina-Virginia border. I don't think they ever made it into mm-hmm. North Carolina. Um, and then they were recalled, had their own um, parade through D.C. and then sent home and, um, and discharged. And their colonel... By the end of the road, by the end of the war, many know him from Ken Burns' series, The Civil War, was Elijah Hunt Rhodes. Oh wow! And he started the war as a private and finished as the regiment's colonel. So, um, and and that's just you know just a handful of the, there's a, another one other famous um, member of the <clears throat> of the Second Rhode Island, and that's actually H. H. Young, mm-hmm. um, and he was. Sheridan's chief scout and uh he stayed in the army after the war and unfortunately was killed by the uh in the near the Rio Grande and his body was never recovered um and that we have in Providence we actually have a uh um a monument in honor of Young where it has um 
an inscription of Sheridan praising, singing his praises um, and saying just, you know, how much of an amazing soldier and, and uh, uh, scout young was. Um, so, yeah, and it's, and, and we can actually, there is a, a Rhode Island national guard unit current unit that mm-hmm. can trace their lineage back to the second Rhode Island. And it just so happens to be the uh, 19th group special forces that's based out of Middletown, Rhode Island. Thank you so much for the history of the second Rhode Island. I didn't realize the connections back with Ken Burns civil war with Sullivan Ballou and yep. Elijah Hunt Rhodes. That, that was, that really kind of brought it all together for me. Um, so what are, some of the event, events that, like, you do parades, you do reenactments. I know the big one for you, um, for Second Rhode Island, is the parade in Fourth of July, which you yep. had sent me photos um, the day that you did that. Yeah, and so, it looked like um, it was a really hot day. It, it was a very hot day. It 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 is the Bristol Fourth of July parade, and it is the longest continuous Fourth of July parade in the United States. Um, and it's, I believe. 200 and I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but it, um, it's last year was our, was our first year doing it. We're going to be doing, we're, we're, we're going to go through the process of getting invited back again this year. Um, and it was a, it was well worth the heat, even though it was about 90, 92, 93 degrees. Um, but it, the, the, uh, just the honor to, to represent these men on this 4th of July parade, a 4th of July parade that was happening, while they were fighting the civil war. I mean, it, that's there to me, that's absolutely amazing that, that, you know, to think we're, we're marching in a parade representing these men and they themselves could have watched this parade mm-hmm. before they went to war or after they, they came home from war is uh, um, to me, that's, that's a massive honor in itself. Um, <clears throat> we're actually in the process. Uh, another event that we're, we're in the process of planning um, is to do a um, a living history event at Fort Stevens down in D.C. Um, so that way we can actually stand where the Second Rhode Island was and, and hopefully teach um, some young young minds and some some uh, uh, others that that this is what these boys went through and this is what they did here. Um, and we've also got you know. A few other, a few other uh, uh, local events um, that we're going to be that we're going to be tackling this year. Um, we're going to be at the Coventry. My hometown is is great because it whole has the um, uh, Revolutionary War hero Nathaniel Green. Homestead uh, Nathaniel Green was uh, born and raised before joining the Continental Army in in Rhode Island, and in and his homestead was in Coventry. Um, and they've done amazing work at revamping the land where they actually have, they alternate every other year as a civil war and a rev war reenactment. And they're, this year is the, the civil war. And, um, so we're going to be doing an event there. Um, there's, uh, a few other, uh, other ones that we're trying to get the kinks worked out of. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are, those are the ones that we're really looking forward to this year. Um, they're, they're smaller scale events. Unfortunately, we are in the year of 1865 for reenacting. So there's not much nationally that's going on. And with, I don't know if you guys have, have covered the, uh, um, what's going on with 
the Gettysburg reenactment that was happening, then wasn't happening, then was happening again, and now isn't happening again. Um, so unfortunately, that kind of puts a damper on mm-hmm. on some of the on, on some of it, and uh, it, it's it's tougher to do some of the bigger national events when in you know. 1865 and 1861 is hard unless you have people who want to do bull run or Appomattox. So, and to my knowledge, there isn't an Appomattox this year or a, a wide scale Appomattox outside of what the NPS does. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely looking, looking forward to, to this season and getting mm-hmm. out there. And, uh, um, you know, we've got, we've got a good group of guys, um, ranging all ages um we're we're actually a younger group of reenactors mm-hmm. too um our average our average member i want to say is around 27 wow which is not the norm we've actually got one two three four five five members six members in their teens mm-hmm. um which is which is great that's awesome um, and and the hope is is that you know if if even if one or two of them can get one of their friends to come join, mm-hmm. that's one or two. <clears throat> I mean, I, that that's how my buddy Joe got into the hobby was literally I started doing it. And then I was just like, Hey, do you want to come do this with me one weekend? And he's like, well, sure. I got nothing else to do. And you know, gave him a wool suit, gave him a gun. And well, he was like, this is awesome. Where was <laughs> this my whole life? And, um, you know, he's been hooked ever since. And, and, um, so even if you get, you know, try to get one person and, and slowly, slowly grows and grows and grows to the point where we've got about 20 guys in our unit up here. Um, we're, we're an interesting unit where our quote unquote home base is actually in New Jersey. Hmm. Um, so we've got on paper, the whole unit um, has about 40 guys. First platoon, which is in New Jersey, has a around 20 and then second platoon which is us up in rhode island has about 20 and um um yeah so it it makes for fun because we do our own things in our in we do our own thing up here in new england they do their own thing down in um in the mid-atlantic and then for the big events we come together as one massive unit and Mm then um we try we try to go down there once a year Sometimes it doesn't work. And then they try to come up here once a year. Sometimes it doesn't work. And, and But when we do, it's it, it's a lot of fun to get together. And, and you're, you, you know, you're seeing some guys you haven't seen in a couple of years. So it's a nice little reunion. And it's nice, uh, you know, like I said earlier, getting that camaraderie and, and you know, hanging out with guys and just telling stories, catching up with them and, and things of that nature. You do, really do build um, – tight bonds with these people i mean two two reenactors were in my wedding party um because they you know that we became such close friends um one of which became such close friends through reenacting and another one my again joe um (laughs) he our our friendship became stronger because of reenacting um and i actually had a table of of reenactors at my wedding at my wedding where um you know they like I said, it's, it's, you know, we've, and not only just that, it's, you, 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 you do become a family. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I've, I've asked these guys to come over and help me move. I've had buddies who've said, Hey, I'm trying to build something in my house. I need help. I need help fixing my deck. And, you know, and, and we have a Facebook group chat and we put it in a Facebook group chat. And next thing you know, you've got three guys, four guys showing up with tools, trying to help out. Um, so it, it's much more than the history and, and, and honoring these guys for us. It's about, you know, we built our own little community, our own little family as well. And, um, you know, making sure that, 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 that we take care of each other. Um, oh, that's really, really awesome. Um, and I had like, I had no idea that it went beyond that at all. So that's, I mean, I'm someone who's thinking of getting into reenacting. So just to, to know I've that. Plenty, I've got plenty of dresses I can send you yeah i'm looking no. for a unit to join i'm in the very early stages of it but yeah just uh, <coughs> talking to you has definitely um uh, made it like more that it's something that i want to do um yeah it's, now it's definitely uh, sorry it's it's definitely one of the uh one of the best things that uh i mean i wouldn't be doing it for as long as i have been if it hadn't been such a important p- part of my life so yeah um, so Nick or Jeremy, do you have any questions at this point for Ben? Uh, yeah, I just had a question just kind of more generally about reenacting, um, okay. here in the, where Nick and I live in Rockford, Illinois, there's a right, right by my house. We have the biggest, I, I think Nick, you probably know better than I do, but I think it's the biggest world war two reenactment, um, event anywhere. Okay. Um, and I just recall one time I was like at McDonald's when the event was going on and there was like a a reenactor there with like full Nazi regalia on. And it was super disconcerting <laughs> to say the least um, as a reenactor. Like what are the, what's the other side? Like, like, do you, do you come across things that are questionable? Are they just similar to you? And someone's got to play that role. Like how does, how does portraying a it, Confederate play out? I'm it, it's, it's, I guess the best way to answer it, it's like with everything, you have your good apples and your bad apples. Um, some, of them, some of them do take it as, hey, you know what? There's got to be someone that plays the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the ones that um, we call them the lost causers up here where they full-heartedly believe the South will rise again. And, you know, you have your whole spectrum. And it's, um, you know, when it comes to that, I just go by, um, you know, what I was always taught growing up is you, you treat people how you want to be treated. And, um, you know, I, I say, Hey, you're a good target. Thank you very much for being <laughs> at the wrong end of my rifle. So, um, uh, that, yeah, it's, you know, it's, you, you need, you need some, there's, I've always said I would never put on the gray uniform. Um, the way I was raised, um, the fact that I have three ancestors that, that fought in the war. Um, I, 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 I just can't. Um, so it's, 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 uh, you know, and, and you have some guys that they can, they have kits for both, you know, union and Confederate and, and they sit there and they say, Hey, you know what? Confederates are down a little bit in numbers today. So I'm going to wear the gray uniform today. And it's like, Hey, you know what? Good for you. That's something I personally can't do. Um, that's very interesting to hear that side of it too um mm. nick do you have any do you have a question at all yeah i know um you were talking about like when you guys are out there you try to keep it as um authentic as possible when you're engaging with the public do you try to 
you know, kind of adapt a persona or are you talking to them, you know, kind of how you're talking to us now? How do you kind of handle that? I try the best of my ability to use error appropriate terminology and, and slang. Um, that's probably the one area of reenacting I have to improve on the most. If I'm being 100% honest about my, my impersonation, um, because it is very easy to slip back into the vernacular we use every single day. Um, that is, you know, so I try my best and I encourage the guys that I reenact with to, uh, you know, to speak uh, using, you know, using the lingo they would use. Um, for instance, a buddy that, you know, you, to, in today's military, it's a battle buddy. Back then it's a pard. Um, things like that, and it, 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 that, but it's it's very easy to to let that slip up and say, "Hey, my you know my buddy over there," instead of saying my part over there. But that is you know I try, but it's it can be tough. Yeah. And so, do you see? I know you mentioned it was Fort Stevens, right? That um, yep. you're trying to get to. Um, do you? And you mentioned the younger crowd. Do you see the younger generation getting involved in reenacting? Um, like, is it still a thing that they want to do? Oh yeah, we we actually had um, three guys, like teenagers, last year join. Um, two of which reached out to us through our website or Facebook. <clears throat> One, um, his his friend reenacted in another unit. That unit folded. They both ironically did World War II reenacting together, um, but they. Um, you know, they were in the same unit for, for World War II reenacting. We were at a military timeline event, saw Max, who was the, the kid who reenacted with another unit that folded. And I was like, hey, what are you doing now that the 14th is folded? And he was like, I've, he's like, I don't have a Civil War home. I've just been doing World War II stuff. And I'm like, well, you got a home with us if you, if you still are interested in doing it. And not only did he join up with us, he brought his friend from World War II reenacting as well. So, um you just have to there, – there's a group out there, there. There's definitely a group of kids out there that are interested in it. They just don't know the opportunity exists mm-hmm. and, um, or they don't know how, go, how to go about joining a, a group, which is why with social media it's great because you can just shoot a message out real quick and just say, hey, I'm looking to join a group. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you, you know, it's – but it's, it's amazing what happens when – you, you can get kids to put electronics down and put a tablet down. And I, I mean, I'm one to say that because I, I run multiple nonprofit Instagram accounts from my phone. So it's tough for me to put my phone down as well. But, um, you know, when, when they do, they, they're, they're great kids that want to, you know, they, they want to learn, they want to contribute. They just have to know that the opportunity is there for them. Mm-hmm. So, and then, excuse me, the, 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 the flip side of it is, is for those of us who are in doing it now, when you do get that young kid in, um, you know, make sure you teach them, make sure you educate them and don't do it in a way that puts them off from the hobby. Mm-hmm. There, there are some out there that they, for lack of a better term, they take a snobbish attitude towards mm-hmm. people who are asking questions, trying to better themselves and it turns people off from the hobby. And it's, you know, 
again, it, it's the old adage, treat people how you would want to be treated. If, if, if I had a question, would I want someone to treat me like someone who's, oh, you idiot, what are you talking about? Or would I want them to actually open up and actually explain to me why it's done this way and not the other way or why you should do Y instead of Z? So it's, it's you know, not only is it getting them in, but it's keeping them in and treating them properly once they do, once they do join. Because there are so many other options for them to, to do things. They can easily sit there and go do skateboarding or, or, you know, video games or, or so many other things that they can do with their, with their time. So it is, you know, part of it is treating them properly when they do sign up and join. Mm. Oh, that, yeah, that, that, that's it. Like I've had bad experiences at reenactments. I had one at a world war two when I went to in the summer that I went and asked some questions and, I, one guy was very engaging with me and the others just kind of sat there and didn't want to engage at all. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is where my, my grandfather was with the RAF and that's who I was trying to talk to. And yeah. I was trying to tell them his story and they just didn't really, and I had questions, you know, and that and was that's, where yeah, and I that's, was like, ah. And, and that's and that's one thing that I've I've never understood where certain people are where it's, um, you know, back when I was in college, I uh, um, we did one of the groups I was in on co- on campus. We did a uh, um, a Veterans Day ceremony, and um, Mary, you'll like this being the the lone Canadian here. <laughs> um, uh, we were talking with a gentleman who was was a Canadian commando during world war two. Oh, wow. Um, and he was actually one of the commandos that took part in the, um, the deception invasion of Normandy mm-hmm. that happened like a hundred or 200 miles North that mm-hmm. tried to throw the Nazis off of where Normandy was actually going to happen. Um, and he, he met his wife in the hospital. She was a nurse. They got married and mm-hmm. it was, it really inspires you to have that type of relationship when you grow old because they're sitting there making fun of each other and it was awesome. Um, but um, we sat there and we were just listening to what these gentlemen had to say and what these ladies had to say about their experiences during World War II. And the, the fact that there are people that just don't understand that sometimes you have to shut up and be a sponge mm-hmm. and just take in what these people are saying because they're not going to be there forever to relate their stories. Um, I mean, it, it, it's astonishing to me that there are people, that there are people like that that don't, are not willing to hear the 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 passed down stories mm-hmm. from generation to generation because you know you can pick up a book all you want and you know it'll say oh the second Rhode Island did X Y and Z that's great however when you pick up a book like All for the Union the the you know Rhodes's wartime diary you can read and hear some of his thoughts and some of his you know his fears. But not only that, some of the, I mean, there's a story in here about how he was on um, picket duty and he was sto- a stone throw away from Stonewall Jackson. Wow. And that they didn't pull the trigger because they equated that to murder. 
Wow. You have the arguably the the most important Confederate general of the war mm-hmm. within rifle shot. Today's army, you're pulling the trigger. Back then, that what that wasn't the, that wasn't honorable. That wasn't the code. And to hear stories like that, that's that's a different type of history. Yeah, that's that's a, to me a more important type of history that personalizes it. And that's when when you can personalize it, that's what makes it stick, regardless of of the generation, regardless of the war. Um, so that's what really makes it important. Um, and and when people can't hear the stories like your ancestor who's in the RAF. Mm. Um, you know, that's, that's a shame. It is. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, I was like, ah, yeah, I thought, you know, I, and I had questions for them and stuff and I didn't get them answered, which really kind of put a damper on it for me. Um, and I've unfortunately never been to a civil war reenactment, but I hope to soon. Um, I have talked to a few reenactors when I've been at Gettysburg, but not an, at the actual reenactment or whatever. Um, yeah. For- for whatever reason, my wife told me not to bring my uniform to Gettysburg when we visited last year. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> she just she just got back, so she's giving me a look right now. <laughs> Love you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to explain to her when, when we were going down. I was like, it's the one town in the United States that you can wear a full uniform, and no one will look at you twice regardless of when you go. So You can. I was there on Remembrance Day weekend a few years ago, and I was uh, eating lunch at Appalachian Brewing Co- Company with one of my friends, and, like, there's all these soldiers sitting around me and all these women yep. in these beautiful dresses. And, of course, like, I'm looking at the beautiful dresses, and I want to go over and ask the women where they got them. And... <laughs> Um, it yep. was just I and I. There was a General Grant reenactor there. Yep that that one always always I always ponder that one as a historian because I'm like Grant was never at Gettysburg. Yeah. <laughs> how how why and but I I always look past it and I, I yep. it's it's always one of those funny funny things. Yeah, I kind of laughed about it, but he and Julia were quite good. They talked to me for quite a while. They yes. were they were excellent reenactors. They answered so, my questions and the, the the people that reenact specific generals or su- specific civilians they're amazing. They've yep. done so much attention to detail and so much research on their roles where i i mean it, it's it's really awe-inspiring because <clears throat> they have that thought process and they have that well you know what i feel this person would do this in this situation because they've read diaries they've read letters they've done in some cases decades of research yeah. on one person so well, we are unfortunately nearing the one hour mark of our show so we've got to wrap right. wrap things up here um, okay. and so Nick or Jeremy, do you have any final questions for Ben at all? No, so, just, uh, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. And, uh, it was, oh, I enjoyed, I enjoyed listening. So thank you. Oh, of course. Anytime I'm, I'm, I, you know, I can talk about this stuff for hours. Mm-hmm. So. so, uh, where should we meet you for the, for us getting involved in this? Say that again. So, uh, Mary's already committed. I'm about there. We just got to get boys there. Let's do this. Let's, <laughs> next weekend? Is that what we're doing? Rail, rail splitter reenacting is going to become a thing. 
Dude, love yeah, it. we bring a camera, he could show us the way. That would be kind of entertaining. I, I love it. I love it. That would, <laughs> yeah. that would be awesome. Um, wow. So the final thing, Ben, is I told yep. you last night about the This Week in Lincoln. You yep. have one for us, right? I do. So I actually had two stories to pick from. One, per, one involving Joe, where he had to guard Lincoln during a two-hour um, presentation he was doing towards... Um, uh, the spectators that, um, you know, was he's a little bit more than he signed up for. But I'm not going to go with that story. I'm actually going to go with um, this past October. My wife ran her uh, her first marathon. It was the mm-hmm. Marine Corps Marathon down in D.C. And we're, we're just past the finish line. It was um, myself and my, 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 my two boys, Jason Collin, my mother-in-law, Elaine, and my father-in-law, Rob. We were waiting for Robin to finish. And... Um, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And my mother-in-law nudges me. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, oh, do you see her? Do you see her? She's like, no, look over there. Look over there. It was an Abraham Lincoln in running shoes with a finisher's medal around his neck because Abe Lincoln ran the Marine Corps Marathon. That's awesome. Ah, I like it. I like it a lot. That's yeah, awesome. It was, it was definitely, it was definitely something kind of cool to see. Jeremy, I'm disappointed that you have not run as Abraham Lincoln in a marathon yet. I have not. I've been at I've been at a half marathon started by Abraham Lincoln many times. One guy well, at that race ran as a penny. He had like a penny thing, and like his yeah. voice was like a. But no, I've actually never seen a mar- not a full marathon Lincoln. So that's a well, that it was, was awesome. It is. I mean, marathon runners are a special breed. Um, you know, the Marine Corps marathon was was inspiring in its own right because you have. Um, you have guys who are doing it in, in full rock and, and there, you know, you, I saw one guy who was a, a double, a double amputee running on the spring legs, running the marathon. Wow. Um, and then my wife just did the Disney marathon. Um, she actually did the full dopey challenge, which is uh, 48.6 miles in four days. Um, and you have people running in costume. And she said that for one of the races, there were people running in Mickey gloves. No. <laughs> <laughs> i'm yep, not so. i'm not a runner at all <laughs> but i commend so. people who do it actually so good for them yeah yeah I, I i give her all the credit in the world because she uh um yeah i wouldn't i i'm hurting after a mile and and mm-hmm. you know I, you know to run to be able to run 26.2 that is that's insane so yeah well ben thank you so much for coming on here and being our first reenactor guest thank you that was I, uh, it was fun yeah it was very good very informative um and that was chase in the background that's yep, right chase and yep, colin. Yep. You, so, can, you can hear him on the couch yep, right so now. co-starring chase and colin tonight we understand here that life happens um yep. it's very fun um informative episode and uh you definitely uh, real quick yeah i need to give a shout out to my bearded brother joe <laughs> <laughs> joe besties for life man <laughs> <laughs> Keep rocking that beard. So now don't, Joe has don't, don't to listen to it. Crap anymore about that beard. <laughs> I, uh, so now Joe, now you have to tell Joe about the episode, Ben. Yeah, now I do. To it. Now I do. I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in tears over here now <laughs> because he's gonna be like, ha ha! I even made a podcast because of my beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, all right. I, <laughs> so that was a great episode. So this is. Chase, right? Yep, this one's Chase. Yep. So that's Chase, you guys, here at the end. (laughs) 
So we are going to wrap up for the night. Thank you to Ben. And on behalf of Nick and Jeremy, um, keep walking the world with malice toward none and with charity for all. And we will see you all again soon.